Welcome to Tech Explorations Podcast, Episode 6. In this episode, Peter Dunmaris talks with Zafar Iqbal, also known as Zaf. Zaf studied engineering and computer science at Oriel College in Oxford and communication design at Central St. Martins in London. He's worked for more than 20 years as a programmer in the United Kingdom and Greece, both for large private companies such as ZDNet and CNET and for top academic institutions such as the National Technical University of Athens. He currently creates software tools for scientists who work on projects for the European Space Agency. His areas of expertise include cyber physical hardware and software systems with an emphasis on robust, modular, secure and scalable software components, digital experiences, image and video processing, internet applications and content management systems. Zaf has extensive maker experiences participating in maker fairs in New York, Rome and Athens. Zaf has used his programming skills on a varied number of science and art projects and stage performances and in 2016 he was included in the European Top 50 Makers list. In my conversation with Zaf, we talked about his projects and challenges where he often finds himself in undocumented territory. Zaf is known for not being afraid to go where he has not gone before as a maker. We discussed his experiences of being an exhibitor in three make affairs, Prime Numbers, the Turing Machine and how he created his version of the machine based on the Arduino. We also talked about Arduino powered video art and much more. In this first part of the conversation, Zaf talks about his background as a programmer and maker. He talks about his approach to programming in multiple languages, his software designs, and some of his projects. This was a conversation by geeks for geeks that I'm sure you'll enjoy. This is Tech Explorations Podcast Episode 6. The Tech Explorations Podcast is a podcast produced by Tech Explorations. My mission is to share the stories of makers and learn from them. I simply want to explore why and how makers do what they do. Let's welcome Zaf and hear his story now. Zafar, amazing to be seeing you again, even virtually. Last time it was um, at a cafe in Athens, uh, probably sometime in November. How are you today? Okay, Peter. Nice to see you. Thanks for inviting me on the, on the podcast. My pleasure. It's been a long time <laughs> since good. we last had a chat. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, like we said, I don't know, five months ago or something. Oh, it was much longer than that. But it's okay. It's okay. Uh, you're looking great, and uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. We've got uh, quite a few things to talk about because you are a prolific maker. You make things constantly, and some of those are quite unusual. So I thought um, I've got to talk to you and uh, put this on the record. So, <laughs> can you take a few minutes and tell us who you are, uh, just in case people don't know you? Uh, well, my name is Af. Uh, I live in Athens, in Greece. Um, I'm a computer programmer. Uh, and I also make stuff, getting back into uh, electronics and uh, hardware. And um, I grew up in England, uh, but now I've got family in, in, in Greece, and I've been here 10 years. And, uh, yeah. Um, so you're a software person? That, that's about it. Uh, oh, there's a lot more. Yes, I mean, <laughs> when, well, when, when, when I was a teenager, I, you know, I played with electronics and everything like that, but uh, uh, through uh, through college and uh professional work it's been it's been mainly software yeah. you know for like uh, 15 20 years and uh, but in the last uh, 
10 years I've been going back into uh, to, to uh, uh, microelectronics yeah. um, you know using Arduino and uh, Raspberry Pi and uh, relearning basic stuff but it's a lot easier these days with the with the hardware and uh, the and it's it's real fun you know and yeah. I find it a lot more fun than just using the mouse and keyboard and pixels uh, uh, so um, tell us a little bit about your software side because uh, I've seen your projects and uh, I can say I can see how your like your software side of things and your software training comes through to the work that you do with especially with the Arduino. So, what, what kind of software do you design and like uh, where can we find perhaps your softwares like a uh, enterprise type software? Is it something like an, an end user like like um, uh, me? would use perhaps what do you do in the software side to be honest with you the the end uh, the, the final uh, piece of software uh, or it's uh, it's a single source file you know like a python script or, yeah. or something like that uh, but i you know my 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 goal isn't to uh, produce software that is uh, easily accessible or uh, modifiable, you know, by by users. It's the actual uh, device or the, the use of it uh, that I, I focus on. And um, the, the, there's several reasons why. It's not because I I purposely do it. Okay, they, all right. With my background in uh, professional software, okay, there's there's uh, there's a small part, you know, in trying to protect your software that. You know, people don't just uh, uh, steal it, let's say, for example. So uh, because of that as well, um, and the tools that I use or create that help me in building uh, a semi-complex software, the output is usually not very friendly, let's say, to, to you know, to be able to read to, to read the software. But, you know, in the last couple of years, I've, I've opened up a bit more. And uh, some of the tools that I use to, to help me in creating software, I've released on GitHub, but, mm. you know, there's no documentation or anything like that. So, um, you know, I, I build tools to help me build more complex applications. Yep. And, uh, you know, uh, so it's right now it's, you know, I can't say that, uh, you know, I'm helping people in uh, understanding how I code. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'd lo- I'd love to somehow uh, have the time and opportunity to either teach people or publish uh, mm. uh, the, the tools or the let's say the the general idea on how I architect the, uh, the software. Um, I'm I'm a bit lazy in the sense that it comes from because I, I play with so many languages, C plus plus, Python, JavaScript, and everything like that. I don't have the time to to read a Bible on each language. I don't have the time, right? Yes, so, I know how uh, that is. I'm not, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I know that I cannot, I cannot become an expert uh, in each of these languages. Expert, I mean that I know all the details and that I can pass a, a whiteboard interview at Google, for example. I'll just okay. fail. You ask me something. Right. <laughs> and, I ha- and I have failed. I have failed, you know. They ask me something simple, you know, JavaScript, let's example, right? And I'm just like, either do it old school, like, you know, in 10 lines of code when they're expecting like one line yeah. of code, or I don't know the answer to the latest feature of a language. So, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that because I know I don't have the time to, you know, uh, course deeply, deeply into languages because, you know, I just don't have the time. So I, I, I have techniques that, um, that I use, like, it's like core concepts in computer science. 
as long as I can do the, uh, know how to do those core uh, concepts in all of the languages, I'm good to go, yeah. basically. So I, I, there's a funny story that I showed once. My, my brother, he, he's, uh, he, he's, he's in London. And once I showed him, uh, about two, two, two years ago, I showed him uh, uh, one of the tools I use to, that helps me uh, to, to, to do this. And he looks at it. And he just he goes to me, ah, you just uh, reinvented object-oriented programming, <laughs> let's say. Oh, the thing existed. <laughs> Didn't know. <laughs> and, right. <laughs> so it's like, you know, sure, you know, you can do object-oriented programming in all of these languages uh, that I, I mentioned in every language, but each one does it in a slightly different way. Different paradigm. Right? Okay. He has his own ways of doing things. So... And I'm not a fan of that. It's like, okay, to do object-oriented in Python, okay, the concept is there, but the, the, the way you have to implement it is different. So I've got ways of getting, you know, being able to do object-oriented program. Not that I'm saying a fan of that, do imperative program, I'll do all sorts, functional and everything. But I can do it in all of these popular languages without actually doing it like the official way. Do you understand? So, oh, I see what you're saying. So... You use the programming language as, as a language, as a tool, but you don't necessarily follow a particular structure. You just you just get your a program to work, to do what you want it to do. Whether it's following an object-oriented paradigm or something else, it may, maybe, maybe not, right? It doesn't bother you much. Is that what you're saying? Uh, well, yes, uh, but I've gone one higher level where the, the tools that I use uh, basically, uh, uh, basically, the way I uh, do it is basically, uh, let's say per object or per uh, component of the system, let's say like a lead on a uh, Arduino board or a motor, basically each one of these uh, uh, pieces uh, is all contained in one file. Okay, So regardless if it's Python, C++, JavaScript, whatever language you want to come up with, I basically I follow that method where I know that the particular component is in this file. And the way I write this file is basically, uh, uh, um, how can I explain this in a simple way? I basically precede all variables and function names with three underscores. Oh. As, that's my rule, okay? And then the build scripts that I have basically put all of these files together and they produce one single Python script, C++, or right. whatever it is, and they replace the three underscores with the file name. So then you can see that when you look at the file name, you'll see that ah, each of these components is like is like an object, but it's not a, like an object object. Uh, all the all the uh, say properties variables are like sort of global because they've got the namespace in front of it with the file There's name. Still a structure. You know, the, the actual yeah. thing. It, so there's still a structure and everything. And basically, I you know in in in. Um, uh, on the web, this is very popular. I mean, uh, you, you have so many tools that basically package all libraries and everything together yeah, into file. one file that then is for distribution. So basically, I use the same technique uh, with all my programs. Like just so, I in a way I avoid uh, basically uh, having to go too deeply into knowing uh, object-oriented programming, functional programming, whatever it is. In each, even 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 threading, for example. You, you know, one of the classic thing, things you do in, uh, say, with Arduino, after blinking a light, you, you say to yourself, okay, how can I blink two two LEDs? Or mm. how can I blink two LEDs at different rates without, you know, uh, using delay, for example? So in my general structure, I've also got the concept of uh, allowing multiple parts of uh, uh, code 
to be run asynchronously, for example. So each of these uh, components are running uh, in their own in their own loop, let's say, for example. So having these core ideas in my head, I, I can apply them in all of these languages. And basically, it's really helped me out. Okay, of course, there's a disadvantage. I mean, if I have to work with a team, <laughs> with the programmers, right, they'll just look at it and think, what, what the hell is that? You know, it's like, let's say, for example, you know, if we, if we were all using Python, they'll say, why, why, why are you doing that way? You can use Python this way to do this stuff. And I'll say, okay, fine. But the thing is, most of my maker stuff, it's, it's just been me. So I can, I can do it the way I want. Okay. Okay. Uh, but of course, professionally, it's a different story. Yeah, I guess let's uh, switch to maker stuff and hardware, because uh, I want to have a look at some of the cool projects you've been working on. Uh, what? Do, well, let's start with now. What are you working on at the moment? You got anything um, on the in the works? Well, well, <laughs> so, well what, we can do, what we can do is I've got a shopping. I've what got is a shopping that? Bag, right? So let's let's go through the <laughs> shopping bag and I'll tell you what I'm making. <laughs> So I went to the shop yesterday because I've got stuff to do, okay? So uh, I'll show you some... Um, this is uh, sponsored by oh. Robotronics. Oh, sorry. I, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't no, have no, done okay. that, actually. No, no, it's good. They're good. But, but it's, 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 uh, I didn't do that on purpose. No, no, no. I didn't do that on purpose. I'm not any, That's totally any fine. Uh, they're, they're cool people. So, <laughs> so basically, uh, I'm working with uh, uh, RFID. RFID, yeah. Well. But basically, these 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 projects. I mean, I've got I've got a full time job or anything like that. And this is a disclaimer, just in case <laughs> the company say, "What are you doing? <laughs> You're paying you like what are you doing? You told you to I'm stop all of that." So <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not just up to you. I, I basically these are like for friends. So what I'm going to show you is uh, basically I have some friends who got projects and I'm helping them out basically. Yep. Okay. Uh, so basically, I've got a friend who's working with uh, RFID. So as you know, the, these classic cheap RFID sensors, and uh, his problem is to just use one Arduino uh, uh, that you connect like four boards. Initially, I thought it was impossible. I thought you need an Arduino oh, per, per board, yep. RFID board. But then he showed me a YouTube video <laughs> where this guy basically, I think, I think there's a, like a, an enable pin or something like that that yep. you can then multiply. Right between the four RFID sensors and uh, you can just use one. So I've got th that to do over the weekend. So basically, if, if you put four RFID uh, uh, cards, uh, basically it switches the relay on if you get in the right order. Basically, my friend, he works, uh, he's building an escape room. So this is for an escape room kind, kind of puzzle. So uh, uh, he wants oh, to set up and everything. So, that's, what uh, so, so cool. that's a, like a game you're building based on these RFID readers. And you've got to, and uh, I guess, energize or enable the readers in appropriate order before the door opens. Is that the objective? Something yeah. like that. Yes. Yes. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So that's your weekend project. So, so it's pretty, that's my weekend project. And, then, and, and you're starting uh, from you're starting from like at at this stage, you're not quite sure how to wire everything up and how to like whether you're going to use any particular libraries or what the software is like. It's like, are you starting at, from at zero at this point? Well, it's not really zero, zero. I worked with RFID a couple of years ago. But let's say I'm starting from zero, and I even thought that I needed more than one microcontroller hmm. because there's uh, multiple RFID sensors. But my friend, he showed me a video where this guy on, the, YouTube. You know, on YouTube is using you know, multiple, <laughs> multiplexing. And I said, ah, cool. If he can do it, I can do it. Yeah. So uh, basically, uh, the, ch the challenge is one microcontroller to 
with four uh, sensors and then uh, to sense uh, uh, four cards. But the, the, also the catch is that let's say you have two sets of four cards, uh, uh, you know, A, B, C, D and A, B, C, D. You can use any combination of the A's or the B's together to get the correct right. word. So if the sequence you want is A, B, C, D, you can use whichever A. So the other complication is that let's say, for example, he gets another set of four cards because in an escape room, maybe he loses a card, let's say, right? How does he put it back into the system? So I'm going to have like a little secret button that when you press, whatever cards are on the sensors, it'll register them as, as a, like an answer. Oh, so, yeah, so, basically, yeah. so what do you do with oh, for, for tags, for RFID tags? Uh, what do you do about them? Do you have some of those lying around? Uh, well, he's, he, he, yeah, he's using, uh, he wants to use the stickers. I've got some here. So he'll use these stickers. He'll put them underneath the objects, whatever, like say cubes with the letters on them. So I don't know if you can... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a tag. Can you see? It's, just yeah. a, it's, a, it's a sticker. Yes. So it's yes. a sticker so and contains a tag on it, and then you can register that with your RFID readers so they can be recognized. Nice. Nice project. What did you do last weekend? <laughs> looks like you've got weekend, multiple <laughs> weekend projects. <laughs> well, I've got scars. I've got scars from last weekend. Oh, what happened? <laughs> well, did somebody attack weekend, you? Oh, man. It was... No, well, uh, the machine attacked me. Uh, basically, um, a friend, he was doing a photography exhibition, and he and he, and he said, "Oh, Zaf, I want to make a, a, a viewmaster." Do you remember the viewmasters where you have a slide and you go, "Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you see the, the, the picture." It's like yeah? um, I mean, transparency, it's like it's it's like photographic transparency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You put it against light, and you can see the yeah, the photos so printed on it. Exactly. Yeah. So he said to me, he goes. He sends me an email. He goes, I want to make a Viewmaster, but I want it to turn automatically. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it just turns. It turns like 30 degrees every five seconds, let's say, for example. So I, I start building, you know, the, the circuit and everything like that. Even, I even make a little, I've got it in front of me, actually. I've even got like a, a, a model <laughs> yeah. of it here. So it's using a very cheap yeah, uh, yeah. stepper motor, one of those really cheap ones. I build everything, I play on here. Uh, when you screw it in, this this table turns around, which is cool. It had to be vertical as well. So I get everything ready with the software and everything, right? The hard part is how do you precisely turn 30 degrees, stop for five seconds, that's easy. And then when it goes all the way around, 12 times, let's say, for example, it's exactly on the spot again. Yeah. You can't have it plus yeah. or minus. Or, so what I used was, I don't know, you'll see on this thing, I've got a little magnet. Yes. So it uses a... Hall effect ah. sensor and uh, a magnet. So when it goes over, yeah. it knows that, ah, okay, I'll reset my counters, my That's steps. That's clever. Steps there you go. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> so, I, I, I do, so I do it and everything. And then he goes, okay, I'm going to come over with the hardware. So he comes over, right, to my house. Right? And I thought he had said seven centimeter disc, you know, a seven centimeter disc like this, right? Okay. He comes with a 70 centimeter, <laughs> literally like a meter diameter uh, disc, this big. <laughs> That's not the original specification. <laughs> no, I said to him, no, no. I said to him, in the email, you said 770. He goes, no. So he digs out the email on his phone. He goes, look, it says 70. It didn't uh, say 70. That's what you read. Oh, my God. That's cool, huh? Yeah. yeah. So, so the, the story was that, yeah. So I said, okay, this motor is not going to turn it, right? So we need we need uh, another motor. So I found a motor. I don't have it with me. I did another motor which was like heavily geared uh, down or whatever you want to call it, turned really slowly. It was really powerful, right? So I stuck it in the middle of the wheel and I turned it on and, and it managed to turn it. I thought, oh, brilliant, it's turning it. 
So as I'm setting it up, and as you can imagine, it was a, a plexiglass disc. Behind it was like a metal back frame, you know, made of steel, yep. right? So I, I, I dropped everything. The metal oh. back frame caught me a bit as well. I said, crap, so I put it back together and everything. And guess what? The motor had burned oh. out. So basically, while the motor yep. was turning, and then the, the, the wheel had like just, I don't know, the gears got or stuck, whatever. So the, brought, oh the motor got God. burned. Smoke, sparks. Yeah, so then we had to go. <laughs> then we had to go and get a, a step of motor, right? And I'll be straight with you. I'll be honest. It was the first time I bought a step of motor. Okay. So I went so to the done. shop and I uh, said, "Okay." So I said, "I want a step of motor." Blah blah blah. They gave me a twelve volt step of motor, and it was a step of motor. I needed a motor driver as well and everything. So I got back home. Uh, I had to change my code because it was a different kind of motor, or whatever, and. Guess what? <laughs> the stepper motor couldn't turn it. I was like, oh my god! I got the I got the lowest power oh, kind of stepper, even though it's like talk. even though it's twenty euros. It was twenty yeah, euros. Still not enough. And this was Saturday, and this was and this was Saturday night, yeah. right? So Saturday night, I realized the stepper motor won't be able to turn this uh, wheel, and uh, the, uh, my friend needed this the next day. So I I panicked, and I thought this is it. This is going to be my first. Uh, 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 project that I failed, right? Okay. Temporarily, really only. So temporary failure. But uh, you learn uh, something. It doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. But then I, I basically, uh, okay, I Googled a bit. Yeah. Because usually I don't Google that much, okay? I usually just do stuff, okay? I Googled, and of course, the internet said, oh, you don't put the motor in the middle, you put it on the, on the edge. And I was like, oh, crap, that's what, what we should do. So basically, when we moved the motor, well, I said to him, no, we don't have any motors. So here's the shopping list. Uh, the setup was on Sunday for the exhibition. So Monday morning was still fine. So I said, Monday morning, you go to the shop. Here's the shopping list. You get these expensive DC motors, really good ones and everything. We're going to get uh, a, a wheels, professional wheels, right? That you put on, And we're going to put it uh, at the edge of the disc. Okay, yeah. so he did the shopping. I changed my code a bit and everything. He came on Monday morning. We set it up and it worked. So the, the 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 story, the moral of the story is: try not to spin this from the center, <laughs> spin them from the edge. So what you did? <laughs> so now I so know the motor was now at at a different location. You used a belt to transmit the the motion. To no, turn? no, 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 no. No, the the, the the wheel which was connected directly to the motor, and the wheel had a, like a rubber uh, the, the edge, let's yeah. say, tire, and uh, on the disc. Uh, you know, we, we we pushed the disc in slightly, so there was a bit of pressure ah, with the wheel. And so the there disc. was contact and, with and the motor. Was enough. Direct, it was yeah. Enough. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's direct drive, but at least uh, it, it, the motor didn't need uh, that much yeah. uh, force to to uh, to turn the the wheel. And also, if anybody tries to spin the wheel, it doesn't damage the motor because it'll just slip. Yes, uh, that's right. Uh, and you probably need a, a much smaller motor with a, a lot less torque than what you thought you needed. Oh right? no, no, I didn't. I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to risk. Yeah, of course. It, so I told them you needed to get. It was like it was like a fifty euro super <laughs> industrial duper size because no, I didn't want. I didn't want any like uh, problems. Like oh, yeah. it works, but it's not. You don't want to take any powerful, chances. You know, like, yeah, yeah. No, no chance. So he didn't want to take any chances. So he, he spent like 100 euros or something on, on the hardware, but it worked. And then for seven days, it was uh, at an exhibition. I went to see him uh, last week 
and he was so happy about it. Everybody really liked him and everything. And it was a really nice installation. So, yeah, that sounds like so skunk, skunk Works. Are you familiar with Skunk Works? <laughs> it's like a weekend, yes, of course. I mean, high pressure, to- like high, <laughs> like um, high risk kind of projects, <laughs> but also high return because uh, yes, succeeded. I've done many. Yeah. I've done many like that. Uh, I mean. It's a great learning uh, experience. Well, and, you, know, you know, it used to be the, the skunk used to be my logo for my website like <laughs> 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Yeah, I didn't know about that. Like, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's what came to mind. That's all for this episode. Don't forget to listen to part two of Saf's interview where we discuss his implementation of the Turing machine based on an Arduino. This is one of Saf's most unusual designs. We also get into prime numbers. Zaf's plans for future projects, and towards the end, Zaf reveals his maker superpower. The notes for this episode that include links to many of the resources mentioned and information on how to get in touch with Zaf are available on our website, techexplorations.com. Each episode comes with its own page on the Tech Explorations website and a gold mine of information in the notes. This page also contains the video version of the interview. This podcast episode was produced by Tech Explorations. Do you have any questions or suggestions? Would you like to nominate a maker to be our guest? And of course, you can nominate yourself. Please email us at podcast at texplore.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes by searching for the name of our podcast, Tech Explorations. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again next time.